Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. For pro football. That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad. Wouldn't kill you. We'd play some competitive sports once in a while, wouldn't it? Oh, would that make you love me? Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hour two of two here on Football Sunday. We got the red zone on in the studio. We got our fantasy uh, fantasy cast up on our computers, and we're ready to be really distracted for this last hour. Just kidding, but it, not really. That's usually how it goes. We're like, what? I mean, we're both of our mouths are open, kind of watching the screen. No, what usually happens is we will start talking about something, and then get distracted and start talking about what's on the screen. There's not a lot of silence, although that did happen last week. I remember all three of us just stared at the screen for. I forget what it was exactly, but the, a certain play was just like, oh, we're and just so watching I, this and not talking at all. This I is can, really riveting right here. I can almost guarantee that we do this at home when, like, our ladies are talking to us or asking questions, and we're like, wait, what? Say again? Talk, what, what were we talking about? Something important? Like, they're talking about life insurance or something that's really, life really – some, Seriously, something that's really, that's really important. important. Sunday conversation. Exactly. And you're like, wait, what? Yes, touchdown. You know, that's usually how it goes. Uh, Ravens touchdown, by the way. Mark Andrews catching oh, a pass yes. from Lamar Jackson. Yes. Yes. Fantasy team off to a hot start. Man, Woo. You have both of them? I have Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, and Marquise Brown, which uh, the only pass that has not been completed to one of those two receivers was uh, Hayden Hurst there a minute ago. So I got lots of points so far. There you go. Nice yeah. start. Good start. Very, very nice quick start for, yeah. for you. Uh, we have the West Coast bias coming up next segment. We will talk about the Thursday night game that was. That was uh, – uh, Jesse's going to freak out in there. <laughs> Turn your mic off if you're going to freak out, Jesse. <laughs> Working on it. Um, we're going to talk about the Thursday night game that was in the West Coast bias as the Raiders-Chargers game was almost basically a game of we're in the race or we're not. Who wins? That team is in the race. The other team is kind of out of it. The Raiders beat the Chargers, so we're going to talk about that next. But the game of the week this week is Monday Night Football, which is very rare to say these days. But it is in the NFC West, and it is the Seahawks and the Niners. And that's where we will start this hour discussing that one. Um Niners still undefeated, played a much closer game against Arizona last week than uh, a lot of people expected on Thursday Night Football, but they still came out with the win. It was a really impressive win because we finally saw Jimmy Garoppolo be the guy to lead the team to the win. It's been the defense almost the entire year, uh, and in parts also the running game. Tevin Coleman had a four-touchdown game, but Jimmy Garoppolo was the guy who led them to a win in that one, and um, it sets up what is going to be a titanic clash in the NFC West between the Seahawks and right now the MVP of the league, Russell Wilson, against this Niners defense, which has been damn near unbreakable all year long. And it's also going to be huge for, obviously, the the standings race and the playoff race in the NFC West, although I think both teams will make the playoffs, clearly, at this point in the year. Um, I'm not really sure where to start in this game. I think I want to start with, do you think the Seahawks offense will be able to do much against this this Niners defense? The Seahawks offense has been good. Uh, Russell Wilson has been spectacular. 
but it hasn't been consistently good. And you're playing one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the NFL in this week. Do you think the, the Seahawks defense or offense is going to be able to keep it, keep it rolling this week? If Russell Wilson is able to stay in the game, if Russell Wilson is able to stay on his feet, then yes. Like every single week that you have a guy that you just, you know, you kind of preface your comments by saying the front runner for the MVP. He's the guy that probably shift the season ended today. The award would go to Russell Wilson. Why? Because you understand he is the offense. He is like that, that offense goes as Russell Wilson is able to go before he had guys like DK Metcalf before he had Chris Carson and some of these guys in the backfield. Like it was watch him scramble and watch him drop back seven yards and then another four yards to make sure he can make room for himself to run and then make something happen. Uh, he is a much more patient quarterback than we're used to seeing him be. But yes, man, I think offensively he's going to be able to do, I'm not going to say whatever he wants, but I think he's going to be able to do some of those things that makes Russell Wilson as, as great as he is now. Where I where I think the issue is going to be is man, D, like I said, DK Metcalf and that matchup that he's probably going to have with Richard Sherman, and Richard Sherman putting his hands all over that dude. Remember, I, Richard Sherman is somebody who we forget how great of a corner he actually is. He's you know not as good as he used to be. Obviously, he's and slowed still, down since the Achilles injury, and he's still awesome. And that's the cold part about it. Like he's now, you can tell that he's lost a step, and he's still so cold. And I think that's kind of the – they feed the way the Seahawks used to feed off of that energy. You can tell that defense in San Francisco is feeding off of everything that Richard Sherman is bringing to the table. And so I think that's the matchup that's going to really determine how the rest of this game goes. But for the most part, yes, I think they'll be able to to score offensively. It's not like the Niners can't uh, be scored on, you know. So they've had games where they've given up, uh, you know, 25 points, 17 points, and these are to offenses that aren't aren't Russell Wilson. You know, even uh, the Red Rocket was able to put up 17 points on the Bengals. Uh, the Kyler Murray, the rookie last week, was able to, was able to put up 25 points on them. So yes, Russell Wilson and that staff, I think, can do some work. But I think that defense in San Francisco is just too good. Now the question I have, and I and apologies, I haven't been following the Niners uh, as closely as others. Uh, have so far this year is Richard Sherman still doing the stay on one side of the field and not move or is he following receivers around now because I remember in Seattle I mean that was his thing he was the right side of the field and that was it and that was where he, he stayed there the entire time and I watched them play last Thursday I'm pretty sure I saw him largely on the right side of the field if that's the case he might not be following Metcalf around the entire time but he certainly will not be covering Tyler Lockett no who plays no. way more on the inside and in the slot uh, so if that's the case and in the text line correct me if I'm wrong on this or you know make me feel better about myself and say that I'm right. If you want um, five, five, three, zero five. But uh, if that's the case, I think Tyler Lockett will find plenty of space in that Niners defense. Now the Niners defense is great. Uh, they get a lot of pass rush, which is going to be huge against Russell Wilson, but Wilson can obviously evade the pass rush as well. And uh, has been arguably the best quarterback. Although Aaron Rodgers also could, uh, could say, Hey, I'm also good at doing that as well. Uh, in terms of evading the pass rush and still finding open receivers that touchdown to Tyler Lockett in the corner of the end zone a couple weeks ago stands uh, in my memory as a great one for Wilson ru running around for a little bit and then perfectly uh, dropping it right into the back left corner of the end zone for oh, Lockett. Here's the ball touchdown yeah, like over like three defenders too. It was it was amazing. It was a great pass. Um, I could see the offense clicking. I, I can. I, I honestly think I can see the Seahawks winning this game. Uh, I know the Seahawks defense has not been very good this year. It's been their bugaboo. And the Niners offense is good enough to be able to take advantage of that, especially in the running game. And especially if Garoppolo can do what he did last week and, and be effective, an effective, explosive passer 
in the offense, but I kind of have a feeling the Seahawks might win this game today. Yeah. Uh, not all teams. I mean, teams don't stay undefeated forever. It doesn't happen. Not even the Patriots stayed undefeated forever. They lost in the Super Bowl that year to the Giants. Uh, you're welcome for the reminder. Thank you but, so much. I wasn't saying anything, but I appreciate <laughs> it. I, th- I feel like a divisional matchup. This is the this is the week. Maybe the Niners get bit by the Seahawks here. I mean, you could be right. You know, I think I have a lot of San Francisco fans or uh, that are friends of mine. You know, so I have my my timelines are typically flooded with a lot of, you know, red and gold and a lot of people that feel like the 49ers are the best thing ever. So, yes, a little slice of humble pie is always, always nice. But, you know, this 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 team, you know, they've they've deserved it. They've they've been losing for a few years. You know, they went through some really, really great years with uh, when they were led by. Kaepernick and you know they obviously had Harbaugh and stuff like that the 49ers had some really strong years at the top of the NFC and you know then they went through some down years but in those down years they were able to rebuild themselves and rebuild that defense and really that's where they're hanging their hat is on that defense much like they used to back in was what was it 2011 2000 you know 12 whenever it was when they were competing in NFC championships every single year now it looks like they're back to that point and I'd like to say this, man, and we kind of talked about this during the break. The NFC West, in my opinion, is the best division in football, period. Every single year, for the most part, a team from the NFC West is the one that represents the, the NFC in the Super Bowl. Almost every year, it feels like, man. The Just in this past decade, the, the 49ers have been to the Super Bowl. The Seahawks have been twice. Cardinals the Cardinals have been. have been to the Super Bowl. Rams have been. Like, the Rams have been to the Super Bowl. Like, what do you mean? Like, and, and so, and then you look at a, at least this, um, excuse me, the San Francisco team that was in the NFC championship, like three years in a row. And if not for a terrible kicker, who knows, you know, they might've been able to play in multiple Super Bowls, you know, within the last decade or so. So, or over last, you know, 12, 13 I, years. I, I could support that thought. I mean, I'm just quickly thinking through the divisions and I think consistency wise. Yeah. I think you've got a really, really good, uh, a really, really good division in the NFC West. Now, I mean, obviously there's bad teams usually in that division too. I mean, the Cardinals have been bottom feeders for a while. The Niners have been really bad for a little while there. Uh, obviously the Rams under um, Jeff Fisher were horrific. So you've you've had bad teams there too, but you're right. Uh, in terms of te- a good variety of teams from one division being good frequently, yeah, it's probably the best division in football. Yeah, I, I, I can't argue that. Like I, I look at the, the AFC West and the NFC North and like there are some – some okay, some the good divisions and everything, but this one is, this is the strongest one. You know, top to and it, it mostly it starts with defense. Like the defense in San Francisco, great. The defense in, well, the in the Los Angeles, still pretty good. Yeah. You know, still a pretty good defense. San, uh, Seattle was historically, at least if we're gonna looking at it like that, over the past few years has had a good defense up until recently. Now it's Russell Wilson in the office is kind of leading things. Arizona, man, who knew? Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury has won three games, and it, it looks like his quarterback knows how to play football a little bit. Like, first game of the season, preseason, we were writing Kyler Murray off already. Too small to play. He can't see over his line. Can't really throw the ball like that. And what do you know? Kyler Murray's out here putting up points. Uh, Tex says that Sherman's been staying on one side. So I think that will help Tyler Lockett a lot, especially. And if there is one weakness, I think, in the Niners' defense, it's the linebackers a little bit. Uh, I'm talking not the pass rushing guys i'm talking just the middle linebackers so lock lock it over the middle should mm-hmm. find some space in the zones uh and and be able to get open so i i think the, i think the seahawks are going to win this game it's more of a gut feel than anything else it's just like 
I saw I saw the the game and I saw you know undefeated team. Yeah, it's in it's uh, it's in San Francisco, but still, it's one of those things where I'm going. That magic of Russell Wilson right now is it's too strong. I'll say it's this: too strong. I've never rooted for the Seahawks ever, and this is the one game to where I'm really pulling for them to win. You know, I'm I'm no I'm no hater. Like I love Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. I love that defense that they have, but our team lost last week too. So you know what, y'all should be next. And so I'm rooting for the Seahawks today. My own little hate inside of me, but. I think the San Francisco team is a hell of a team. And once really Jimmy Garoppolo starts getting more and more comfortable, and if they really get him some weapons, then man, who knows? Like outside of their man, great tight end, like they need uh, just maybe one more guy. One more guy. I mean, the explosive running back, a great receiver, and then a, a, even not even a great receiver, like a really good receiver. Kendrick Bourne, a couple weeks ago, nobody saw the, the, the big uh, catch for the win that Kendrick Bourne had from Portland. Like, good player. Kendrick is awesome, but. They need a stud receiver. Well, they got somebody. Emmanuel Sanders now, baby. It's, okay. We'll yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I think that, and especially, I think they're what they're thinking about Emmanuel. They're like, we're going to extend the guy another three seasons, probably. They'll give him a three year contract. Um, and then he's going to be a guy that will help mentor. Like, this is a guy that, despite what people think of Emmanuel, really helped Sutton along his rookie season. He was, he was a big part of lobbying for the Denver Broncos to draft Cortland Sutton last season. Um, so this is a guy that doesn't mind taking other guys under his wing. And then you think about a guy, and I mean, you, there are got talented receivers, Debo Samuel, Dante Pettis had a guy that last season, about a five, six week stretch of where he looked like a true number one. I think Kyle Shanahan's brought it up to light. It's just a matter of motivation. Can somebody like an Emmanuel Sanders get light a fighter fire under that guy? So there's talent there, and just the way that they built that team in San Francisco, oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's, it's, they've done such a great job, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, man. Like, like just focusing on the front lines. We're going to work on our front seven. We're going to get our offensive line. We're going to trade a second-round pick for uh, a guy that could be a franchise quarterback. Like, uh, strong running game, strong defense, manageable passing game. That leads to a lot of wins in the NFL. Now, the one thing that we have to temper expectations about about the San Francisco 49ers, those first eight games of their season were weak. They were so weak compared to the second eight games. It would It's totally possible they go four and four the second half of the season. We got a break coming up next. It's the West Coast bias. We've been talking West Coast, but there was another game that was between two West Coast teams. It was on Thursday Night Football, and it was big in the AFC West division. Raiders, Chargers. Raiders get the win and keep their playoff hopes alive. Are the Chargers for sure done after that loss? This is a 1080 The Fan. It's time for some West Coast flavor. Wrong side! Left side! Yes, this is the center of the football universe. Don't oversell it. I'm not selling anything. Come on, stop milking it. I didn't hear my lungs. I'd scream at you. This is West Coast Bias, an in-depth look at the NFL's Western teams on Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 1020 here on The Fan, West Coast Bias time. And talking some West Coast here to start the 10 o'clock hour, but we'll shift gears to the AFC West after talking the NFC West last segment. The Thursday night game of the week was the Raiders and the Chargers. 
with the Raiders coming across victorious 26 to 24. Phillip Rivers had three interceptions in the game. Otherwise, he was fine, but that's a big otherwise because you had three interceptions in the game, uh, including on the final drive when the Chargers had a chance to go down and try to kick the game-winning field goal. He wound up throwing throwing an interception. Chargers now four and six. Raiders now five and four. Uh, there was a lot of talk that this game was essentially going to be who in the AFC West stays alive in the playoff chase and who was done. And uh, I will be ashamed to say that I picked Rivers as, or I, not Rivers, I picked the Chargers as a Super Bowl team this year. I thought they could make the Super Bowl this year. I really thought that the team was, if they could stay healthy, which again, they haven't, they never do. I thought if they could stay healthy, they are a team who could, really shocked some people in the AFC just because they had a lot of good talent on the offensive side of the ball. And they go into Oakland and Oakland's final primetime game at the Coliseum and lose 26, 24. So the chargers are done and it's been a really disappointing year for them, man, four and six. I mean, obviously they could still win and, and get themselves back in. It just doesn't feel good. It feels like they've had a lot of games. They, they, they had close losses. They had a lot of games where they chargered it. Like they always do. Um, I just, Man, the Chargers just do not have it. There's some there's some sort of bad aura over that team where they can't seem to figure it out. No, it was and really it was just a slow start, I think. If they had had started better, Phillip Rivers had done, you know, better to start the game, then who knows? They only end up losing the game by two points, but still to a division rival in Oakland at their last game at the Coliseum. Like, this was one you really want to play spoiler and really to get your season back on track, you needed this game. Now let's not now let's not act like Oakland is that much further ahead than the Chargers. In fact, they are a game uh, ahead of the Chargers as far as their actual overall records. The Chargers are four and six right now. The Raiders are five and four. That game, you know, would have would have helped them kind of be right in the same exact same spot. So it's not like, you know, the, the, you're just looking at that much more of a superior team. The Raiders still have a lot of holes that they need to fill. But so far, they're playing really really good football. The Chargers, however, are like you said, they're charging it. You know, that's it's back to 2015 all over again to where we're all sitting in the studio trying to figure out, man, what the hell? Why don't the Chargers, with all the talent and all the everything, what's what's the problem? Why can't they ever seem to figure it out? And last year may have fooled us a little bit. Last year may have fooled. I think they're closer to that team from 2015, uh, 16, and 17 than they are to the team last year that made the playoffs and had the good run. Because, I mean, just because you make the playoffs once doesn't mean you're a great team, right? I think we can all But not a lot of changed that. about the team, which is no. why I think we predicted they could, they could no. go and far. No, because we saw those games that where the Chargers were having, and they, they, were just, they were losing by two points. So you're right there. And we kept saying, yeah, you're right there. They just keep losing by if you got a better kicker. Maybe if you had a better receiver. If you had more of this, then – but we can't keep saying that anymore. At this point, I think the Chargers are – who they are. They're they're the, essentially the, the Jaguars. It's the more talented version of them. Now, I'm not talking about as far as how they, but it's as far as getting used to them, seeing them win. Like, it's been a long time since the Chargers have been a dominant team in the AFC West. And this is y'all division. You guys know this. It's been a long time. Like, man, that that Ladanian, that, that Ladanian Tomlinson-led team, that was, that was a while ago. You know, so I, I'm, not, I'm not sure why we continue to put so much pressure because I think one of the reasons I think we do is because, man, we all believe in their quarterback. Man, we all believe in Phillip Rivers. I don't think there's, I don't think I've ever met a person that said, man, Phillip Rivers is garbage. 
No, but he's also no longer as good as he used to be. No. And but, I think that's something that we have to... And he's, he's 40. You I know. know. We have to accept that, though, and it's it's one thing. I think it's tough for people to accept that certain quarterbacks aren't as good as they used to be uh, when they used to be really good. And, I mean, watching Phillip Rivers throw the ball is painful to watch. He throws it... He throws it as if his arm is like being tied behind his back slightly. And he's got, it's like a rubber band and he can't move it the entire way. And sometimes it, I mean, it, it manifested itself in the game on Thursday when he throws the ball like that, you're like, well, that's a pick. Cause it comes out like a total goose, total duck, not a goose, a total duck. And it just kind of like floats there in the air. And it led to three interceptions in this game against the Raiders. Now, if he's, he's a little bit more, I just don't know if he's got the arm strength anymore. I'm not sure if he can do it consistently, and that's uh, it's sad because he's a guy who I think a lot of people like watching him play. I don't particularly like Philip Rivers. I think he's kind of a jerk, but uh, he's fun to watch play and is, is a really good quarterback who, who has never made the Super Bowl. So it's one of those things where you're like, you're kind of secretly pulling for him a little bit, even as a Bronco fan. Like, ah, oh, it'll be nice to see him get there, especially when my team in the Broncos is as bad as they are. I know they don't have a chance, but yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, man. The I think, talent's I think always he's been done. there. It's always been there, right? Like you, you, you can see why people have always picked them, but there's always been something, some excuse. This year, you're, you're looking at like, like I think both their tackles and their centers been hurt this season. Um, you, you, Derwin James, probably their best defensive player, gone for the season. Uh, you know, you didn't have Melvin Melvin Ingram for like the first half of the season. You just like all these things, you know, the Melvin Gordon holding out. Then he looks like you know, like slow goo the first couple weeks because he's trying to get his legs back. And there's just so many things every single year that prevents the Chargers from being successful, whether it's them getting in their own way or whether it's random injuries, something always happens to the Chargers. They might be the unluckiest team in the NFL. I don't think they're necessarily ran super poorly. I don't think, I don't think they do much for their fan bases. I don't think that, they're particularly uh, a great franchise, but when it comes to actually constructing their raw roster, I don't think they're a bad team. I think franchise wise, they've done good. They've just, man, I don't know how a franchise continually every single year has the type of luck they have, um, whether it's just uh, a kicker that they can't find a kicker the first three weeks of the season, or it's just those type of things that have always kept Philip Rivers from making it to the Super Bowl. And and he's never going to do it. Like no, the, at this point, he, he's done. He's done. Yeah. Which and is so sad, sad, man, which is so sad. And there's a, a lot. How many players in the league are there just like, man, he deserves better than that. Larry Fitzgerald deserves better than to play on this Cardinals team with these people. Man, Philip Rivers deserves to be somewhere to where he can finally win a championship, man. I think there are certain guys that are just in the league. It's like, man, you, ugh. Why can't Matt Matt Stafford play somewhere to where with a team that appreciates what he can do as a quarterback? Like it's unfortunate that you play where you play for as long as you do just to to show your loyalty, you know, and to show that you just want to be there and try to build something. Like it's unfortunate, man, because those are three really good players that are never going to win a Super Bowl. Uh, we got a break here, but quickly, just wanted to give a little love to the Raiders. I thought the Raiders were not going to be any good this year after watching Hard Knocks. I thought there was too many crazy personalities on that team. They got rid of the one crazy personality. So uh, goodbye, Antonio Brown. You were a big problem. Richie Incognito has actually been really good for them on the inside, and he has been actually a good guy in the in the clubhouse or, or in good. the locker room, which surprises me considering his history. But uh, he's been he's been quite good. And um, 
I also, I kind of, I want to give a little love to John Gruden for making this team viable. They're five and four. This Raiders team is five and four. Derek Carr actually looks like a real viable quarterback again. Last year, he was bad. Early this year, he looked kind of lost. And I think John Gruden has helped build his confidence back up. He's actually looking pretty good out there for the most part. Um, no, I don't think the Raiders are going to make the playoffs, but I want to give them some, I want to give John Gruden a little bit of respect for, for getting the Raiders to being an above 500 team, being a competitive team. Hey man, knock on wood if you're with me, man. Because John Gruden, uh, he still knows football. Uh, as long as he's been away from the game, you can tell he's still a student of the game. Um, and he's found a way to really relate. Here it is 15 years after, 20 years after he, you know, won a Super Bowl almost, and he's still able to find something to contribute to the game and find a way to really get through to these young guys that everybody said he wouldn't be able to relate to. You remember that? Like, he's been gone for so long. There's no way John Gruden can – and what do you know, man? He's got this Raiders team playing uh, a really confident brand of football, and you got to tip your hat to them because they're, they feel like they can compete with anybody, and it's hard to argue with that. I uh, just saw this come across Twitter. Just want to throw this out there before we go to break. Most giveaways since 2015. Eli Manning, 74. Blake Bortles, 76. Phillip Rivers, 77. Jameis Winston, 93. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jameis. Oh, wow. Uh, as we see the Buccaneers come up on the hey man, red they're, zone now. They're up 7-3 right now. Ronald Jones. Touchdown. Three Touchdown. receptions, too, already. Wow. Three for 43. I'm just saying, Ronald Jones might just turn out to be a uh, second half of the season fantasy star. David Johnson looks really slow right now. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. could just be me, but he just looks like he doesn't have that. He's not full. Like his turbo right. button isn't working right now. Right. All right, let's break. Coming up next, we have Hate It or Love It. But first, Jesse has a sports center. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 1037 here on your Sunday morning. Mike Rashad, Jesse with you for another 23 minutes. Uh, Falcons and Saints into the second quarter already tied at three. Pretty low scoring game, actually. Surprisingly so between those teams so far. Uh, what do we got today, Jesse? You got a lot of NFL. You got anything else in there today? Uh, I got some uh, I got some NFL. I got some. Uh, yeah, it's all basically NFL for okay. the most part. Um, right, so what do you got? Uh, so. Well, obviously, the talk of the drafts in the NFL are quarterbacks, 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 because quarterbacks drive franchises and drive the success of franchises. And basically, since last year, the quarterback everybody's been screaming and raving about has been Tua. Tua Tagovailoa or whatever. Tua Tagovailoa or something like that. Yeah, Tua. Tua, right? Tua is we'll, easy. We'll say Tua. Call him Tua. Uh, now, uh, coming kind of with a real big head of steam, and especially for the Heisman Trophy, is uh, Joe Burrows for LSU. Just huge day yesterday. LSU looking like the clear-cut number one team currently in the nation. Uh, and now, all of a sudden, you know, just a couple weeks ago, it was like, hey, who's the, this guy Tua might be a first-round pick. Now it's Tua might be the first overall pick. Love or hate? I mean, not Tua, but uh, Joe Burrow. Burrow. Yeah. Joe Burrow. Love or hate? Joe Burrow 
will be the first overall pick in the 2020 draft. First overall pick. Overall oh, pick. That's yes. interesting. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say hate on that one. And um, I know that this might not be the case, but I'm still going to assume that the Dolphins will have the number one pick in the draft. They have a win. So uh, they currently the Bengals have the worst record in football and they would have the number one pick in the draft. From what I've heard, the Dolphins owner is absolutely in love with Tua. Absolutely in love with Tua. And I do think that Tua, over a longer stretch of time, has showed, shown more skill than Joe Burrow. Um, and we've seen a lot of teams in the NFL get suckered in by a good senior season or a good final season, I should say, and make an incorrect pick high in the draft because they just fell in love with the guy and how he was doing in college. Now, that's not to say I don't think Joe Burrow can be a good quarterback in the NFL, but three years of predicting Tua to be the number one guy with Justin Herbert shouldn't be wiped away because Joe Burrow's having an electric season for LSU. Um, I think Tua will still be the number one pick for a couple of reasons. One, the Dolphins love him. Two, he's done it more consistently and he's uh, done it in a in an offense that uh, I think Nick Saban is changing the offense to be a little bit more NFL friendly with the way that they're passing the ball around. And uh, I just think he's a little bit better. So I'm going to say Tua. Um. Wow. I I. Dang it. So I love that Tua is a better talent than Joe Burrow. However, uh, I think we've become prisoners of the moment, and that's that's kind of the way a lot of franchises and a lot of people look at it. Who's great today? We'll probably get to the draft and find out the quarterback from New Mexico is the number one overall prospect from any from any of these guys that we've been hearing about uh, for most of the season. Joe Burrow has had his, has an amazing season for LSU. We talked about LSU earlier on the show and the, the job they've been able to do and what they've been able to do. Tua Tagliovia has since he's been since he's come in and stepped in as the quarterback has done nothing but perform. He has been easily the greatest quarterback that Alabama has ever had. And this is the university of Alabama that has multiple national championships on most from multiple decades. Like this is a guy that outshines every one of those guys, his skill set, his ability to throw the ball, his ability to escape with the ball and his ability to take some big hits, man. Those are things that you just can't, teach like that 6'1 218 pounds man that's a man's body so he's ready to play quarterback in the nfl today he's got a better arm he's we've seen him beat better competition i mean not better competition but we've seen him compete in national championship games against uh the top competition and play incredibly well on the biggest stage uh we've yet to see joe joe burrow get on the biggest stage outside of that last night against alabama and really show that, yes, he is indeed the man. Tua's got the hardware to show it so far, and hopefully we're smart enough to understand that, man, this kid is the real deal. So, yes, I think Tua should be the number one pick, but you never know. Crazier things have happened. All right. All right. Moving along. We're going to kind of keep a quarterback theme through today, I think. Um, And let's just go to the tampa bay buccaneers as we just said in the last segment Jameis winston by almost 20 most giveaways since 2015 than any other quarterback it's 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 amazing uh but as we all know one of the reasons that our buddy uh bruce arians took that job was because he liked what Jameis winston brought to the table as a quarterback now granted he's had his moments this year as Jameis winston but he's also had moments where it seems like maybe Bruce Arians is starting to have some sort of effect, or maybe this just is what Jameis Winston's always been, which is he looks really good and then he looks really bad. 
But with that said, we all know, going back to the beginning, Bruce Arians took this job because Jameis, love or hate, Tampa Bay will franchise tag Jameis Winston at the end of the year. Uh, I'm going to say love on that one, and I think it's purely because of what you just alluded to there. Bruce Arians thinks he can do something with Jameis Winston, um, and the Bucks aren't bad enough, at least at this point yet, to me where I think they're going to get that elite quarterback in the draft. Now, they only have two wins, but let's say they win four or five games this year, right? Let's say they win a couple down down the end of the end of the line. I could see them drafting a guy they think might be good. Maybe that's Jordan Love out of Utah State or um, you know, maybe it's it's Jake Fromm or Jacob Eason or something, a guy that, that isn't as highly regarded but is maybe a, a potential good talent coming into the uh, NFL. But they're going to put him behind Jameis Winston and give Jameis Winston one more shot on the franchise tag, which is one year uh, with a full now two seasons under Bruce Arians to, to figure it out with Bruce Arians. Now, my personal opinion is I don't think that he's going to figure it out. I think this is who Jameis Winston is. I think he's a guy who is really electric sometimes, but oftentimes makes way more mistakes and just doesn't have his head in the game the entire time. Um, but I think Bruce Arians is going to give him one more chance, and I think they will franchise tag him. Yes. I love that they'll franchise tag him. They don't want to play him big money right now. Why should they pay him big money? Jameis Winston's done nothing through his career to says that he should garner any type of big cash from anybody. I mean, here's a guy that, like you said, Lynch, um, he's thrown more than 20 more takeovers than the worst quarterbacks in the league, which was than Eli Manning over the past few years. So that's not a good thing. I've seen a few mock drafts actually that have uh, Tampa Bay drafting right around the eighth spot. And do you know who CBS Sports mock draft says that they'll take that he'll that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will take Justin Herbert. Tua Tagliolvia. So, you know what I'm saying? So, it looks like there's a... every time you say it, you change the way you say it. Tua Tagliolvia. I'm going to get... I'm going to learn how to say it. Tua Tagovailoa. Tagovailoa. Okay. I believe. Tua Tagovailoa. I'm going to learn how to say this every vowel way. in the Hawaiian or Polynesian last name. But Tua Tagovailoa is... If he goes to Tampa Bay, man, now Bruce Arians really has a reason to stay past 70-something years old and continue to coach there. But, no, I don't think Jameis Winston is going to get an extension. I do think that if they want to keep him, they'll franchise tag him just for the year, and then he'll be able to get some interest from other franchises. I'm sure there'll be someone dumb enough to be able to pay Jameis Winston the money that he thinks he wants. All right. Uh, Currently, Mike Lynch has a one-point lead heading into the third round, which, like I said, we are going to keep this kind of a um, quarterback-themed hater love it. And we're going to move to Miami. Now, Miami currently not sitting with the number one overall pick. That'd be the atrocious Cincinnati Bengals, who are currently trailing 14-3 to to the Baltimore Ravens and uh, probably going to move down to what? Uh, are they 0-9 right now? I think now? they're 0-9. Yeah, so 0-8. Gonna, 0-8. 0-8. So they, 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 had, they had their bye. So they're going to be moving to 0-9 after this week. Um, uh, maybe there's a win on there. Maybe there's not. But with that said, Miami's going to be right there with one of the top picks, top one or two picks in the draft. A love or hate, Miami will not draft a quarterback in the 2020 draft. Uh, hate. They're going to draft a quarterback because they need a quarterback more than any single other position on the field. By the way, Mark Andrews, another touchdown pass from Lamar Jackson to make Jesse that much happier. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not the answer. Josh Rosen is clearly not the answer. And guess what you have coming up in this year's coming NFL draft? One of the better quarterback classes that we've seen in a long time in terms of guys who have been hyped as potential NFL prospects. You've got Tua, you've got Herbert, you've got Burrow, you've got Fromm, you've got Eason, 
you've got Love, and I'm sure I'm actually forgetting somebody in there too. But those are all guys that are considered potential first-round picks in this year's draft. I think Love may have fallen a little bit out of that because he's having kind of an iffy year with Utah State. I'm going to blame Gary Anderson, though. And um, you have so many good guys in the draft. If that is the biggest position of need, you need a quarterback. Now, I know you have a lot of positions of need on that team because the, the Dolphins were built to be bad. But the Dolphins have so many picks in the draft and I think you can still find a lot of value and talent in all those positions as you move down, whereas quarterback is going to be so concentrated near the top of the draft this year, you need to take that QB first. So the Dolphins will take a quarterback. I love they'll take a quarterback. They're morons if they don't draft a quarterback, to be to be quite honest, man. The Dolphins are a franchise that they have just been in the basement. And if we're being real, in a really winnable division outside of the Patriots, man, like the Patriots are there, and then there's a bunch of other teams that can easily be bounced out of the way. But for whatever reason, they haven't been able to kind of put things together. And you're you're right, man. The quarterbacks that they have in there just don't work, man. As, as much as I really, really want to believe uh, in Josh Rosen and just think he's been in, given bad situations, because I still think he's been given a bad situation. It's just not going to work for him. He's going to be a backup quarterback, and that's okay because I think that's the coolest job you can possibly have uh, in history outside of actually starting quarterback. But, yes, the Dolphins need to move in the right direction. I would hate to see them take a Justin Herbert. I would hate to see them take one of these quarterbacks that we've been seeing over the past few years and watch their growth for them to go to a franchise that's just not ready for them to win and for them to be completely bullied and kind of ran out of the league within their first few years. So uh, whomever goes there is going to be in trouble. I almost kind of feel bad for him because you know there's going to be a lot of losing and it's going to happen. There's going to be some injuries in there. You're going to not going to have an offensive line. You're not going to have very many offensive weapons. Your defense is probably going to suck. There's a lot of things working against you if you're going to go play for the Dolphins um, as a rookie. So whomever goes there, man, my hat's off to you and we'll be praying for you. Uh, I almost feel like you made a really great argument as to why they shouldn't pick a quarterback. Well, I mean, but you they have to. Did. You kind of switched. It was weird. Well, I mean, yeah. th- this thing, you, you, you kind of, they, they have to. Every team has to, but you, you, understand, you have to understand if, if, if you, you go gone, there, if you go there, you're going to suck and you're not, you know you're not going to be good. I'm just you saying, if you're you would have gone love and you would have basically used the same argument and say, instead of using a quarterback, they should go get a tackle, they should go get this, they should go like a a, a game-breaking wide receiver, a, a true shutdown corner, uh, an elite edge rusher. But we're talking like about the Dolphins. You said, what are they going to do? They're going to go draft a, well, they're gonna go draft a quarterback. That's, the, yeah, that's what they're going mean, to do. You know what I mean? Like whether Whether all that stuff makes sense, but we're talking about the Dolphins. You know, all those things you said, go get a tackle, go get a center, go get a guard, all that makes sense. The Dolphins are going to go get a quarterback. And, yeah, they, they and that quarterback will. is going to be murdered by week seven. I, I, I brought this up specifically because there are several mock drafts that just have them kind of skipping on the quarterback position, which honestly, if you want to look at it and go, hey, you know what? Uh, like if you want to play the long con, everybody thinks the best quarterback prospects coming out next year. And Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Exactly. And so if you're really playing the long con game here, then you just say, you know what? We're going to go get some more talent. We're going to fill up these holes and we're going to get Trevor Lawrence next year. And then after that, we're going to be a playoff team. I think that's uh, certainly possible. I just don't think you risk with this many good QBs this year. I don't think you risk skipping out on that. It's a, it's a big risk. to No, make. it's the same thing as what, what Denver did two years ago. Right. You, you, you have Josh Allen sitting right there, you know, and you're like, eh. like I, I love Bradley Chubb. He's, he's a great you got a, a replacement and heir apparent in in Von Miller for Von Miller. But you just man, Josh Allen. Yeah, he didn't look great last year, but he's looking a lot better this year. I was going to say, can we talk about how good Josh <sighs> Allen is this year, though? 
He's, he's all right. Sam Darnold, yeah, I think. I mean, Sam Darnold was super young. Lamar Jackson, there's another guy you passed on last year that, I mean, you you could have taken that's really freaking good. Like, come on. Yeah, oh. no, this is what happens. That's John Elway, though. I know. But so so that is the the the, the other side of the argument. You pass on one of these, like, five quarterbacks, you're kind of screwed. Anyways, with that said, the uh, winner today is... Oh, come! On. Oh, wait, wait, sorry, Mike Lynch. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, that's a really, really long, dramatic yeah. pause." Well, I was trying to do a dramatic pause, and then the uh, the hotkeys was not set up correctly, so <laughs> then it went really dramatic. All right, well, we'll figure out what we'll talk about next. This is Football Sunday on the Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. All right, we got a super quick final segment here for you as uh, we're up against it already <laughs> in the break. But I did want to ask a very quick question for you. We were talking about quarterbacks last segment. And as we looked up in the break, the Bengals and the Ravens game was on TV. Now, Andy Dalton was benched before the bye week last week for Ryan Finley, an NC State quarterback who you probably haven't heard of, and it's probably a good reason you haven't heard of him. And my question is this. When you're a bad team, is benching the quarterback the only move that makes fans happy like you're trying to make a change outside of firing the head coach? Because I know Andy Dalton's not having a great year, but I don't think I could be very wrong but you're so far, you've got five minutes left in the half, and it's not like the Bengals' offense has been doing a ton. They've only got three points, although they're on the red zone right now. Ryan Finley? It's not like you drafted a quarterback to be the next starter. Yeah, I think that's I don't, only... I don't understand when you make that decision for a team, especially if you're the Bengals, who have lost by like two and three and four points this year, almost gotten three wins, including against the Seahawks week one, if you remember that game. Yeah, well, I, I mean... Just, I feel like, is that the only thing you can do to make your fan base happy is bench the starting quarterback well to be real that's the only player that doesn't come out let's be honest like i mean maybe center and quarterback are the only two positions on the field at any point that don't come out of the game you rotate multiple you know linebackers in the game you'll rotate another defensive lineman in the game or another offensive lineman you know you might get multiple looks at the offensive line you know throughout the game and stuff like that because you know guys need to get taped up or need to get water or need to pee or do do whatever the case is you know quarterback is the one position that doesn't you don't get the tag out and the number two goes in for the for the next drive. Like, that doesn't happen. And so, yeah, I think, man, benching your quarterback is the only way that makes fans go, okay, well, at least they at least they hear us. At least they know that we're not happy about where we stand as a franchise right now. We need to change. If you're the Bengals right now, you've been asking for this for years. One of my best friends is a Bengals fan and one of the only Bengals fans I know. And he is – so frustrated with where his franchise is you know like you ha you've had good pieces on your roster and for whatever Ryan, reason Ryan Finley stuff, just threw a pick six at the in the red zone and way. the red rocket's been throwing pick sixes his whole career i just and so to, that's to why me, i'm like i mean i didn't think andy dalton was the problem so when you make that change you're just gonna make it worse when you're putting a guy like ryan Finley. See, i thought he was the problem because for a while the Bengals had arguably the greatest one of the best rosters in football for a few years straight offensively and defensively and he was the weakest part of that roster and now that all those key factors are gone he's still the only one there so yeah
I think as uh, it, 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 I'll be really quick about this. As a Bengals fan, you're probably going, okay, we've moved on. Like, like this is your official sign. We've moved on from Andy Dalton. I think with Finley, what you're doing right now is you're finding out, do we have a backup in Finley? Nope, you don't. And if you don't have a backup in Finley, then you go, you know what? We're going to go find a backup. We're going to go draft a quarterback, and we're going to make our – because that is – drafting a quarterback is the one thing that will just get a fan base hyped going. By the way, you know what sounds really Denver Broncos? Andy Dalton starting quarterback next year. Oh, no. no! I mean, Cam Newton, nothing. I, like, none of this. I just. Andy Dalton. Ugh, gross. Teddy Bridgewater? Yeah, sure. no, they're talking about that, too. But I think I, other teams, yes. he'll, he'll choose another team first, yeah. probably. Yeah, All no right, way. we got to go. Music's playing. We're long. Thank you guys so much for listening. Rashad's out next week, so it'll be Jesse and I next week from 9 to 11 a.m. giving you all the good football goodness that we do on Sundays. Good luck with your fantasy teams. Good luck to your regular teams, and we'll see you next week. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.